0: Hello and welcome, everybody. Uh, thanks very much for joining us today for uh, another episode in our weekly series, Marketing Ops Confessions here at MagQUDU. I'm Drew Noel, uh, head of professional services here at MagQUDU, uh, with our guest, James Hauser from Brandfolder today. I'm stoked to have everybody here. Uh, thank you so much for joining. A uh, couple quick uh, housekeeping items as we get things underway. I wanted to call out that uh, if you have anything you wanna chat about or uh, bring up to the audience in general, please leverage the chat section of Livestorm. Uh, Also, uh, Hannah's actually just dropped a quick welcome in there um, and feel free to sound off on uh, who you are, where you're joining us from, uh, what part of the world uh, you are in and also, uh, potentially if you've taken advantage of our, uh, uh, free lunch, uh, offer before, maybe you're leveraging that today. And if you're enjoying a tasty snack, um, during the, during the meeting, we'd love to hear that. Um, also chat is welcome to, uh, you know, of course, heckle me, um, by any, by any means, like, feel free to, uh, call me out on anything, whatever. We know that that's how it rolls, um, and we we. Uh, but I will say, like, please, like, uh, maintain respect for our guests. I mean, that's the the main thing. So, uh, be kind to James. But feel free to dump any uh, any general shade on me. So, all good. Um, otherwise, questions and points that you want to bring up or dig into, uh, please use the questions tab there. I will be keeping an eye on that. And uh, we'll be rolling through all of that as well. So uh, please, please post your questions in the questions tab. As usual, Marketing Ops Confessions is supposed to be natural, organic, talking about the experiences of our guests and also how that relates to uh, Marketing Ops uh, professionals overall. So please just uh, you know, let's uh, feel free to rock it and just have a party and a great conversation. All right. Um, With that, also wanted to call out, uh, just remember that the $25 lunch gift is from Kudu. Please attend our sessions. Um, Very thrilled to see that we have a great uh, level of attendance today, a lot of people in the audience, and uh, happy to have everybody here. So uh, again, we'll be getting these out to you. uh, you know, if you can give us like maybe uh, a day or two to get those uh, lunch gifts out to everybody, uh, just in terms of uh, the logistics of putting on an event, um, our team works really hard to make sure everything is uh, provided back to you and, and uh, the attendees that uh, show up. Thanks very much uh, again. Bridging back to the conversation, uh, we are we have James Hauser, who's uh, senior manager marketing ops at Brandfolder. Um, I, I'm excited to have James on because uh, he and I share some things in common. We've we both actually been on the consulting side um, at the agency level. We've also uh, been at a MarTech company, uh, and we've also run ops internally at uh, a a 2 B2B SaaS uh, organization. So on that note, um, I'm going to actually drop the share here and we'll go to, we're gonna go just to video. And uh, James, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Drew, thanks for
1: having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Awesome, very cool. So James, you know, to that point, you know, we were talking about, uh, or uh, in your introduction, I was just calling out the fact that, you know, you've been at a lot of different size shops. You've been at a lot of, you know, almost in all aspects of the MarTech space. So, including being at Marketo and actually doing ops at Marketo itself. Um, So I think, you know, one thing that I I would love to hear from you is a general overview of, you know, your exposure to those different size organizations. And what are some of the interesting commonalities between them, maybe some of the most stark differences? Um, What's been your experience there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's been a tremendous journey, um, to your point, across consulting from SMB all the way up to enterprise. Um, marketing operations changes tremendously depending on the role you're in and how big the company you're in. Um, some of the commonalities, definitely around like core reporting processes, the core lead routing processes, core lead scoring. I would say every role I've been in has had a core group of key processes that are vital to ensuring that the marketing team is functioning as best as they can. Um, really, the differences between enterprise down to SMB all the way out to consulting for uh, marketing operations just comes down to the specific client in particular or the company in particular. Um, reporting being one of, I think, the biggest differentiators between SMB up to enterprise Um, Like at Marketo, we were so focused on our MQL lead flow and what we were delivering to sales and to our SDR team. So a lot of our reporting was more on the micro level, the program reporting, the successes that we were pulling out, how we were scoring those, how we were tracking that month over month and how those were viable to sales month over month versus more down on the SMB level, like at Velocity Global, we were much more focused on the attribution. We were focused on the program level ROI, how we could squeeze a little bit more out of the system in our marketing dollars as we grew as a company.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, all of of this reporting volume, all of these processes that need to be followed, you know, at the different shops you've been at, what were sort of the, what, what was that, balance that you noticed, or maybe from your experience, the right size team, uh, in terms of ops, and also how did that complement process uh, at those various size shops? You know, What, what was kind of the, the uh, Goldilocks uh, scenario that you you might have run into?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's always that right, right best fit. Um, I would say it's it's one of the luxuries at a smaller company. You get a lot more awareness, I think, as a, a marketing operations organization builds out within a wider marketing role. Um, the exposure that you'll get in that marketing ops role will resonate a lot more up to the C-suite all the way down to individual contributors, uh, your designers, um, people who are actually putting creative out on the web, um, out in the channel. And I think it's one of those those luxuries you tend to lose as you get bigger as a company. When when you're smaller, you have that exposure. As the company you work for gets a little bit bigger, you kind of become more in the back end, back scene of things. Um, as far as the team size, what I've seen is typically marketing operations tends to be very small at the SMB to, I would say, commercial level. Um, it's usually a team of one, sometimes up to a team of three, Um, at a enterprise level company where you're more of a multinational or you have distinct um, business operations that's where you start to get out into more of a team to three to five people that's working more in like a revenue ops function or cross-functionally with sales operations um in that role you'll largely see or i have largely seen like a director of marketing operations with one manager one to two associates and then based off of a regional presence having typically one marketing operation specialist per region um really what what, what works well about that is having a centralized approach to how you are aggregating your data how you are treating your leads how you are scoring your leads as a framework but you're then allowing yourself to regionalize that so you're not going um, one size fits all as far as marketing uh, the world around rather you're establishing a centralized framework of how you would like to report an mql an sal an sql and and so on and so forth a framework as far as attribution and how you're going to treat uh, the success or failure of an opportunity back to any given number of marketing channels but you're not constraining yourself to one uh lead scoring model perhaps one asset scores better in north america versus emea um you'll weight that appropriately
0: yeah absolutely and you know we were discussing as we were preparing for the session today i thought what was really interesting is some of the thoughts that came up around scaling the organization and and establishing what are the right actions for individuals at you know like you called out that associate level or that specialist level and what would maybe be involved in the progression And, and this also relates to career progression as well you know up through senior manager director and you know even at major organizations we've started to see you know vp level uh roles around marketing operations revenue operations etc so i um, curious to hear your thoughts around what is the the workload or what is the what are the day-to-day actions that maybe some of those individuals would be specifically doing and how do you divvy up that that workload maybe effectively
1: yeah absolutely i would say this comes down to bandwidth um in every role and i've been there from the the lowly associate the specialist working yourself up to the senior specialist finally up to manager to senior manager and on and on i've had the pleasure of working with a, a tremendous amount of marketing ops professionals and the director and vp level roles um in particular i think bandwidth is the constraint between each each position like nobody can go into a marketing ops role and know the facets it's it's literally turning on a fire hose as far as uh this is how you do uh, omni-channel reporting across an entire organization, across multiple continents, um, supporting demand gen across multiple continents, hundreds of campaigns, hundreds of emails going out per month, and so on and so forth. It, it's just too much for one person to do. So I think as you grow in a role, it really takes like the honcho, the hancha at the top to know strategically, how do I balance the tactics that are required for any go-to-market strategy, Uh, everything from the micro level and just a weekly email that's going out up to a little bit more of a blend of tactics and strategy that goes into the lead flow and how you're ensuring you are um, equally and equitably transferring leads to your your aes or to your sdrs Um, shifting full into full strategy where more at the top when you're pressing for budget to increase your roi's marketing organization how do you pick the channels that you want to go into in a in a perfect world it's just an expansion of budget and you get to pick the best channels that are performing pick a couple of channels that you'd like to expand into in a more difficult world like going into covid and the current pandemic it was more so if we have to tighten our belts how do we know which channels to tighten up how do we know which ones to place more focus on so yeah yeah, as, as you go from the specialist level up to the associate level, what does that look like? Um, in particular, it's more so learning the ropes. Like, how do you get in and teach somebody at the, like, just getting their foot in the door in marketing operations, how to build out something that is scalable, something that's sustainable, and something that has fidelity across Marketo to Salesforce, um, HubSpot to Salesforce, whatever your marketing automation and sales sales automation is. Um, it's really... Giving the keys over and teaching somebody, here's how you make a viable email. Here are the best practices that you would follow as far as tracking links within that, reporting on that, picking the audience for that, allowing it to be scalable such that you could say, clone an email program over. Then you start to get more into okay, with this now what like now that we know how to make like an email program we know the basics like how do we sync this over to Salesforce how do we start to attract attribute the costs of that program to that how do we track that in Marketo and Salesforce Um, you start to push more of these questions as far as what is the return that you're going to see um, across the wider marketing department and I think more when you get up into like the management level like just you you get your feet wet in the specialist role and now you're supporting a wider marketing team with a little bit more responsibility a little bit more accountability now the question is going to go into how do you train a wider marketing department to deploy email programs to deploy webinars to deploy events Um, how do you set your demand generation and lead generation team up for success when it comes to scaling out the number of events that they're running on a quarterly basis? Um, How do you help them pick the best successes from that? Um, More so a shift, I think, away from just the pure tactics that go into ensuring that a marketing function is complete and more so into enabling people to make informed decisions with information that you're feeding with confidence in your own data sets. That's kind of like the, the line between a specialist or an associate moving more up into management and then the the further up you go the more so it's going to be with all of our events together with all of our channels running um, optimally how do we report back and start to take a look into the handoff between marketing and sales Um, how do we circle back with the marketing sales handoff and start to see hey here's where we spend our money here are the leads that we've generated here are the the junk or disqualified leads building a feedback loop to reduce those. Here are our successful leads. Here's how we've routed them. Here's the activities that we've set up. And then taking a look at those that sales, those SQLs, and ideally the closed one ops, and circling that back to see what worked. How do we get more of the gold? How do we get more of the success? And uh, building a virtuous feedback loop there.
0: No, brilliant. No, absolutely. I, I so appreciate the fact that you've really encap- encapsulated that progression. And and what you've explained there is really how to almost just scale the ops function as an organization even grows. And so that's brilliant insight and completely appreciate that, James. That's, that's really cool. Um, I think what's fascinating, too, is you hear the focus um, shift to to really that governance aspect of things um, as you move up the, the chain of command, right? Like you're not necessarily like executing campaigns anymore but you're looking at analysis, you're looking at the overall roll up of all of that information. And as so many of us know, working across these various systems, I mean, just that roll up of data is so critical. And I think that takes us to kind of what we discussed as maybe our next area of discussion is, the, the reporting that's appropriate for different levels of organization. I think you've already covered that to a marked degree just in terms of your description and progression of, of the ops role and how that relates. But I'm interested to hear from your perspective, what's the right level of reporting for each uh, maybe hierarchical tier within the organization as it relates to marketing, sales, overall go-to-market teams including customer success potentially um what does that look like
1: yeah absolutely um i believe it's a breakdown between tactics and strategy from supporting your boots on the ground supporting your content creators supporting your demand generation managers people who are actually running the events all the way up to kind of the chain of responsibility and accountability so as far as like appropriate tiers of reporting, I would say you wanna cover everything from the micro to the macro, uh, shifting focus from the tactical to the strategic. And more on the micro level, it's ensuring that when you set up a program that you're able to accurately track that leads were coming into that program, that you can identify your net new leads from your existing leads and the influences on both, that you can get a, a cost per lead on the program level, that you can get a cost per net new lead. Um, on the program level and then measuring the successes that come with that as well, so that on more of your program manager level you're able to deliver hey you ran an event here are your registrations here are your uh, attendees here are your follow up emails. Here's your overall micro level success. And then continuing to do that and scale over time will feed more up towards the macro level, which is how do you start to shift focus away just from program successes towards reporting on the individual programs ROI uh shifting towards the overall program channels ROI and then finally shifting focus to the overall omni-channel ROI or all of your marketing and sales channels together if, if you have a um a sales attribution model where, where you're measuring activity there I would say yeah. more more so on the on the tactical side it's just ensuring that you can scale um, the reporting there can just be as simple as a a weekly program with program successes, program with program members reporting, um, usually establishing a follow-up one to two days after an event with a circle back one week after an event to try to report just your general success. Then being able to shift focus more so up on the senior management level. Um, these are going to shift more so away from like your day-to-day and your week-to-week towards more of your monthly to quarterly to annual reporting, where you're going to want to deliver not such a list of uh, 100 individual programs and uh, different tactics that you've leveraged, but more so, how did your team together deliver against a set budget that went to a set go-to-market strategy? Um, How much money was spent across which channels, uh, summing those channels up together into more of a, here's how we went to market with this initiative, we split it between webinars, we split it between paid marketing, we split it between uh, like website or organic marketing. And then with that, attributing a dollar to each, being able to quickly report back what opportunities were influenced by those, what opportunities were directly sourced by those. Um, I, I like taking an approach to both of those and that, uh, you can usually tell based off of your primary contact role, where an opportunity came from, like your first touch on an opportunity, Um, depending on your model, your most recent touch going into an opportunity. um, You can also tell influence and there are varying degrees as far as which one is more important than the other. Um, It really is a blend of the both. You want to ensure that you're influencing opportunities with all of your channels, um, especially with a cohesive strategy to try to generate ops. And then finally being able to put, uh, I like an equal weight model myself, um, being able to attribute that opportunity back to the individual programs that influence the contacts at that opportunity, and you do new minus old over old, you've got yourself ROI if you've set everything up right.
0: Absolutely right. It's it's really awesome to hear you talk about it, James, because uh, actually Hannah and I were were discussing this the other day via Slack, and and uh, Sarah McNamara made a post on LinkedIn uh, a, a like I think a week before last about uh, with the with one of uh, a coffee mug, actually, that had the the unicorn with basically like marketing attribution uh, is fake. We literally made it up, um, and I I love the fact that yes, absolutely. Like if if you have an overly oh, and and Hannah in the chat just now goes, you know, I bought that mug, uh, <laughs> yeah, and and it's it's really an interesting point because. To that end, I mean, if your model is too simple and it's first touch only, it doesn't include sales activity attribution. You're not doing a complex enough model that really promotes equity across the organization. Of course, that's garbage. It's like, all right, cool. Like the, you've only got one aspect of things. Now, absolutely, if that's all you can track, it's better than nothing. But you know, by all means, I think we we all agree that the more we can promote a complex attribution. And this also factors into lead scoring, right? If you're not taking into account all of the data that's potentially influencing the likelihood to buy within a lead, uh, you know or within an account and also rolling that up in an effective manner, you're not really getting a complete picture. So it's it it's interesting to see that, Predictive and also forecasting analysis starts to almost look as if it's the opposite direction or the flip side of attribution itself, which is uh, which is fascinating to see that those those corollaries there. Yeah, think, um, uh,
1: there's yeah. a lot of focus right now from working across the like the smaller side of businesses all the way up to the larger sides of businesses. I think when it comes to multi-touch attribution, hopefully not building one out like manually or having a spreadsheet-based multi-touch attribution, that can be some of the smartest work that just de-escalates quickly because of scalability. It really is the, the complexity of it all is dealing with an exponentially growing data set Uh, the number of leads that have to be tracked are doubling almost on a yearly basis regardless of the size of your business the successes from those leads are doubling um hopefully the opportunities are doubling as well as as well as the closed one opportunities and so with that a big part of the complexity is just doing mass data um, aggregation and analysis the one thing i will warn against there is like there is no one size takes all approach um, with multi-touch attribution Very much like a first touch model can work if you have a very short uh, sales cycle. If you're more into like the enterprise software as a service where your sales cycle is going out now to like 12 to 18 months, having the first touch on that isn't necessarily going to help at all when it comes to like what actively drove the deal. Um, There's a lot of like their W models, their um, 90-day date constraint, uh, weighted models. I like an equal weight model myself just because it seems the most... It's not always going to be the most specific, but it does seem to be the most fair as far as multi-touch attribution over time. Um, it also depends on the tool that you're using in that regard, how you define a success. Um, and really for, for anyone who is either just looking into multi-touch attribution is like, it's a unicorn, I don't buy into it. Um, a lot of it comes down to some of the errors that you'll face as you build it out. Is dealing with legacy data, um, dealing with legacy successes, especially if you define like registration for a webinar versus attending a webinar versus attending an on demand. Um, I've been in several roles where, like, just registering, that's a lead capture. So that's a success for that program. Um, but over time, when it comes to, well, now we have an op on the books like I from a sales perspective can't have much of a conversation about hey I see you registered for this webinar but that that's the end of that conversation It's it's really more what are the meaningful engagements how do you define that and picking a time to start defining what your successes are going to be as an organization I won't leave it too open-ended there but do also include the sales influence um, that's one of in, in any role where I've started to turn on um, multi-touch attribution, do define like if you use Salesforce, this is a little bit easier. Um, have campaigns that start to track a set number of sales engagements within 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, define like the threshold for like the old college, try for a lead that comes in and they should go through an SDR cadence. And that should be five emails, five calls three social outreaches, whatever your organization defines it as, and then do track those as successes. So count the number of activities on a given lead or contact record, and once they hit a threshold, add them to a campaign as a success, label that campaign as a sales influence. Um, If you have a separate SDR function uh, and a sales function, label that as an SDR influence. So when you finally do get the opportunity closed one, you can go back and you can plot on it like a timeline or a histogram like here's your close one day here's your op create date here's your lead create date and then just drop all the marketing sdr and sales influences on it and you can start to get a feel for um where any given business uh, that you're targeting is going to be influenced by what's successful um grouping all of those closed one ops together compare them against your closed lost ops and see are there gaps where um marketing over-marketed? Or was there a gap where uh, the SDR function didn't take the ball and run with it? Or you can start to kind of draw those blanks and then um, be able to smooth those out over time and hopefully get more close one offs
0: No, it's killer. It's, it, it's really cool. You make You make two really great points, which are around scale and also the automation of especially that, that sales attribution. Right. And I think that, that brings us to, you know, and, and you've touched on the interaction with the sales organization, you've touched on the interaction with the, the marketing organization as well. And, and I think that that's one thing that we, and, and also the scale of data, right. So all of these points, I think they align around, you know, continuing to look at the function within marketing operations and revenue operations overall, supporting these parts of the organization and making them more efficient. And I think on on that note, I'd love to hear from your perspective um, as you look to automate aspects of those processes. um, And I think... You know, you and I discussed an interesting use case around um, ABM and also uh, sales automation. Um, really interested to hear from your perspective, what are some of the things that you should automate versus maybe some of the things that should be left to that authentic organic approach that, you know, really like in terms of maintaining the human and the resonant aspect of of marketing and communication. What are those things to maybe leave alone?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're, you're drawing a corollary between like how much automation is too much automation or, or where are kind of the, the danger areas to go into there. Um, my personal philosophy is you've got to automate the burden and you've got to humanize the sale. You you have to let people, um, Consume the resources that they want. You have to. You really, as an organization, have to put yourself out there. Marketing operations is key in ensuring that anything that you're actually giving to the world is able to be accessed. Um, people are able to disseminate that, share it among their their peers, their colleagues, et cetera. Um, but you have, we have this like this. I would say automation danger that can happen, where now you can start to use like sales outreach uh sales loft um, sales connect whatever you want you can very much automate kind of the early sales cycle with kind of this fax and meal of what it really means to sell um like auto responders to people um anyone in the industry can see these things coming from a mile away your inbox at exactly 9:30 a.m gets an email with hey lead token name uh, we we at yada yada are excited to work with companies like lead dot company name and it just, <laughs> it's just a mile away where it's it's like if you're just taking a thousand people and putting them into a cadence and just letting them go um you'll get the results you expect and kind of when that was new it, you could play attribution you your attrition sorry you you could really play um, a numbers game with people. Like, yeah, I know that it's not the best outreach, but we're hitting so many people that we will get the numbers we're looking for. And if you're not careful with that, eventually it does start to tarnish your brand's reputation. Um, people are just gonna be like unsubscribe or, um, you know, immediately mark a spam and such. And and then what? Uh, once Or, or, it's or worse, blow you up on LinkedIn. Like- exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so I think the, the big part is, you as a marketing operations professional want to help automate the burden. You want to help people as far as like, how do you best identify your high value leads, your low value leads? How do you import a tremendous amount of leads from LinkedIn sales navigator or zoom info, discover org, whatever your preference is. If you go that route, how do you deliver as many leads as you can from your event marketing, your paid channel marketing and such, and then give, Way more leads than needed to your SDR and to your your sales functions. And then don't just leave them there. You, you can't just be like, here you go. And, you know, because there, there's no way to sift through that much. Really prioritizing the leads, allowing your SDR function, your AE function to access, say, like sales port or sales force high value reports, sales force low value reports um the number of outreach attempts logged against every lead record so that they fall off of high value if they aren't responding how how you go about that is up to you as a as an ops professional at your organization um but really enabling the ability for your sales team to roll any given lead into one of hopefully the most specialized targeted campaign cadence you can create and then with all of that burden aside, you're allowing your sales team to personalize messages that are going out to people. So now somebody logs in and instead of having to pull 100 leads from 10,000 leads in Salesforce to start a weekly cadence, they can log on on Monday. They've already got 100 leads for them in a, a sales loft or a sales automation cadence, all they have to do is they can go in and they can spend however long they would like looking up those uh profiles perhaps you start to aggregate linkedin personal profiles so within salesforce somebody's able to just click learn something about that person personalize their message reach out to them with a value-added proposition and then on they go um really personalizing that sale which i found is the, the most successful way kind of in the i would say the last three to four years
0: now absolutely and the i i'm always interested to hear from people just because of course on on the op side we get plenty of offers as well right for stack componentry etc i'm i'm curious to hear like what's maybe the top of mind example where somebody did a really great job of actually doing that research uh, as related to you and and sent you a a, a personalized message um, i know i have i have a couple but that's also because i share you know maybe like overshare details about things that i'm into uh you know on my linkedin page so um but what was curious if and if you have any uh examples top of mind
1: oh yeah a, a ton come to mind sometimes i share too much on my linkedin too so it's like all of a sudden hey i've got a good idea for you at, at, at your current role um i want to say one of the, like the, the best personalized outreaches, it happened right before I got to Marketo, but it was uh, Bombora at Marketo. Um, they had reached out to a newly formed marketing ops team, which I then joined like right when I was there and and they were starting to uh, uh, sp- spool up pretty much like Bombora in a many to one relationship or the account-based intent uh, data being on the lead record within Marketo based off of how a wider account is operating. Um, I think at the time they had just released their like Slack notifications or the ability for somebody to come in on our website from an account for the ability for Marketo to, as a platform, update all of the known leads matched to that account and then to send a Slack alert uh, to any A E any S D R that was actively working either an opportunity and such. And I think they had like, I'm, I'm terrible here. Cause I, I'm like, I'm typically it, it, like informed in the industry. I will go out and find something like, I like identifying, Hey, here's a blocker. I have, here's a frustration. That seems to be there week over week. Um, here's a, a huge blank space. And then I'll go out and I'll find, you know, the best, the best way for that. If that's G2 or Capterra, um, what be it? But and so usually i don't respond to like outreaches and such to my personal email i think this was one that it was just uh somebody reaching out for a, like an expansion opportunity from bomb that had reached out to me and it, it was like hey james like i see you went to see you boulder like didn't stray too far to denver but like big kudos for you and your new role at marketo and they, like they they had Put enough thought into it. They weren't like explicitly, like, hey, I see you did this and this. And this. <laughs> like, like uh, you know, but, uh, enough to, be, to be like, oh, yeah, I'm a human being. There's a human being on the other end of this. Um, I'd like to do business with you. I'd like to see if there's yeah. an opportunity here. And it was one where it was like, I think they just, like, the way they worded it worked really well, where they had said, like, just totally want to put put myself out there. But if you're interested, Here's my calendar link. Feel free to book some time with us if you'd like. And I think I was like, yeah, all right. Yeah. And, and, I went and it wasn't one of those, like, how about we find time this Thursday? It's like, I don't know if like what my Thursday looks like. Just, you know, put yourself out there, make yourself available, uh, deliver your value added proposition and then allow your, your prospects to come to you.
0: Yeah, uh, It's super cool. It, it is really interesting. Like when almost that, that, human aspect, it creates a vulnerability on this, the rep side, right? Where it's like, all right, cool. Like, now I actually am going to care enough, because you have actually put yourself out there. And I can actually respond in, in a way because I know that you're being real about it, too. Uh, again, I mean, you know, to just to, you know, pull that back to, you know, as we discussed going into the conversation today, I mean, that's why that's why we really enjoy these conversations as well because it's like just being real about what we're experiencing in ops, in sales, in marketing. Um, I want to take it back actually to you know another aspect that that you were speaking about in our prepare in our uh, preparation for today, and. You know, just in terms of the lift, right, and, you know, again, this is getting real around um, just the day-to-day aspects of ops, uh, you know, you mentioned a lot of things that, that, in terms of tooling or specific actions that have helped you over time, um, and, you know, really are maybe even those things that would help somebody at the specialist or the associate level um, to execute uh, the management of assets for the, uh, for the marketing organization, I would love to, you know, just hear some of those ideas or some of those things that you've uh, been able to automate or, uh, help to kind of manage the ongoing, uh, aspect of content assets, et cetera, um, you know, within, within the marketing stack.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Set yourself up for success. Um, So often as marketing operations professionals, uh, we're very much focused on serving the wider organization in sales, in marketing, in demand generation in particular. And we're always looking for abilities to automate burdens in those roles and to be able to allow ourselves to grow. Um, a lot of times we, we neglect ourselves as a result of that. So, uh, thank you for asking me that drew, how we return some of that automation to ourselves. Like, how do I make my job easier for me? Um, a lot of times when I was younger in my role, when I was ju- just getting into the world of marketing operations, it was a mentorship. Um, like I, I was, I learned from some of the best as to. Like, how do you work Marketo? How do you create programs? How do you create emails and such? And, you know, I was like a young buck at the time. So it was like, oh yeah, I got this. Like, if I need to stand up a webinar, got it. If I need an event, got it. And then my boss would say like, hey, we want to do a webinar series. I need seven webinars. I was like, got it. And I would set them all up. And, uh, you know, I was very excited about that. At the time, all I thought was I will template one success. I will create my ideal Webinar, it'll already have landing pages, forms, workflows, emails, alerts, lists, the whole shebang. And then I'll just clone that out. I'll I'll make it one time right. And then I'll copy that success over. And to me, that that was it. That was like, that's how you scale and grow. As I've matured more in my career, I start to realize you can't just set it and forget it uh anymore like companies grow brands change logos change times change speakers change um if not over like one to two weeks leading into let's use a like a webinar series as an example um if not just a small change between planning and actually executing that campaign or putting a new ebook live and all of the program um support behind it the landing pages the forms and such and then having that live for one to two years without touching it, like you have to circle back and it, it's rarely going to be the individual um, program manager that's going to circle back. They already have their plate full. They're already working on their next um, their next event, their next series of events, etc. or perhaps. Um, from a marketing ops perspective or from a demand gen perspective you're supporting a team that is stepping into a role where they have a ton of legacy events that they didn't create that they don't necessarily know like the ins and outs of so one thing like i had and this will just be shameless for me i had never used brand folder before i began working with brand folder um i'm kind of kicking myself now because when i was younger in my career even up to a year ago um the shift towards more of the virtual marketing economy with covid and everybody working from home led to a tremendous amount of webinar series um summer series going on for you know a week or so where we would have 15 to 20 webinars going for any given quarter and just small things to like setting up 15 webinars for the next say six weeks and then having my boss come back and say um you know our speaker at yada yada just you know had, had to reschedule we can't have her on um this event we're going to shift it up one hour i need you to go back and update all of the marketing collateral and for me i'm like well i just stood up 15 webinars i'm using marketo <laughs> edn for this. So I already have a ton of all of my images, all of my banners, my registration page banners, my thank you page banners, my email, autoresponder banners, everything's already been set up. And now all of a sudden, I have to go back and okay, no worries, I'll go into, you know, marketing design studio, find every single file type manually, because you, you can group them by, you know, folders or whatnot. But that folder hierarchy gets unwieldy fast. (laughs) I'm going to update, select, replace, replace, and hopefully Marketo actually replaces that link and that asset. And it gets pushed to the page where it, it's hopefully live. And now I have to go back and my QA process is 15 minutes on a fast day. If everything goes right per webinar up to, you know, it's, it didn't sync over. I couldn't just directly replace. So now I have to go back and re-upload the image, go into the landing page editor, update the image, save it, QA it, move on to the next one, the next one. And after I get that all done, all of a sudden my boss comes back and says, I'm thinking about it. I want to change the color scheme on this. I just want it to go from a gradient to (laughs) blue to white instead of purple to white. Can we go ahead and it, it just, it boggles the mind how many hours I spent on that. One of the biggest shifts in productivity for me was actually leveraging brand folder, a dynamic CDN digital asset management suite. Or now when I create one webinar before I templatize it and go across, I define this is my reg page banner image. This is my thank you page banner image. This is my email autoresponder banner image. This is my thank you follow up banner image. Like we'll just focus on images for a while because they're usually the easiest to update but the longest to seemingly do. Say I set up my 15 webinar series. I have all of my assets available to me within a brand folder. And then my boss comes to me and says, I just want to change the color scheme on this because it better fits the partner that we're let's say co-sponsoring or co-marketing a webinar with. I would go back and instead of already defined all of those links, all of those images, all those assets across 15 different programs, across 30 different landing pages and 30 different emails, I can just go into each one of those and update and replace, and that link goes live with the version history. So if I'm looking back, I know anywhere in the world on our website, within Marketo, anywhere, that that link is being used. It's just been updated to the new image. I can even see what the old one was. So somebody steps into my role years down the line and they're like, what was going on with this program? They can see, okay, like they got two weeks in, they decided to change the color scheme on like, it. Here's version one. Here's version two. Version two is live. Awesome. Save me um, eyes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Saves as, as, save you carpal tunnel as well. Uh, like, <laughs> like my eyes are just like <laughs> yeah. uh, serious cursed emoji. Uh, <laughs> very cool. Very cool. No, that's awesome, James. Um, no, thank you so much for just sharing your experience. Um also, you know, range the the conversation has been really great today. I think um, just the range of discussion between you know all the way from you know the the bottom rung of the organization coming into ops out of out of school or starting your career there, and then all, all the way up to where you are now managing things and and interfacing um, with the executive level and. Making sure that that data flows to the appropriate level of uh, of uh, governance and also uh, reporting just just super cool. So really appreciate it. Um, thank you so much. And um, you know, uh, it's it's been a lovely conversation. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Drew. Thanks. Pleasure.
0: Awesome. So, team, uh, if there are any other questions, like feel free to drop them into the questions section. Uh, but I, I'm gonna take uh, silence as a positive so far. Um, but, but thank you, everybody, for attending. Uh, what I will do is just share my screen once again, and uh, thank you again to James. Uh, really cool. And then uh, our. Our next session is uh, coming up uh, next Thursday, August 12th. Um, Jason Billog is going to be speaking with uh, Francis Brero, our uh, head of product. Um, So please uh, feel free to attend that, register in advance, and uh, looking forward to seeing you there. I wanted to thank Hannah for uh, managing the chat. Also, like helping cue everything up, Uh, you know, just engaging uh, with myself and James to put all of this together. And uh, just additional props to Hannah, because uh, if you don't know, uh, she is the magic behind the overall Marketing Ops confession series. So I wanted to give her a quick shout out as well. Um, Thanks to everybody. Always stoked to have everybody on the line uh, week after week. Please feel free to jump in again. And uh, again, from uh, Matt Kudu, thanks, everybody, and we'll talk soon. Cheers.
1: Hannah, Drew, thanks for having us. Cheers.